The story of Dr. Kildare. Whatsoever house I enter, there will I go for the benefit of the sick. Whatsoever things I see or hear concerning the life of men, I will keep silence thereon, counting such things to be held as sacred trust. I will give no deadly drug to any, though it be The story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer brought you those famous motion pictures. And now, for the first time, this exciting, heartwarming series is heard on radio. In just a moment, the story of Dr. Kildare. But first, your announcer. Now, the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers as Dr. Kildare and Lionel Barrymore as Dr. Gillespie. Blair General Hospital, one of the great citadels of American medicine. A clump of gray-white buildings planted deep in the heart of New York, the nerve center of medical progress where great minds and skilled hands wage man's everlasting battle against death and disease. Blair General Hospital, where life begins, where life ends, where life goes on. Good morning, Doctor Kildare. Oh, my, you look tired. Morning, Parker. I am tired. Doctor Gillespie, and yet. He's down in the clinic. Oh, that man. Bad mood. Bad. Oh, horrible. <laughs> Fine. Uh, let's see now. Doctor Kildare speaks. Hello. Is this Doctor James Kildare? Yes. Who's this, please? Jimmy. Jimmy, this is Angela. Angela Kester. Angela Kester. Well, I didn't know you were in New York. When did you get in? Last night. Flew in from Chicago. Jimmy, I, I must see you right away. It's important. Well, I won't be off duty until tonight. Jimmy, it's an emergency. I've got to see you now. Hey, you do sound worried. What's the trouble? It's Stephen, my husband. Stephen, something terrible is going to happen. It's mine. He's sick. Well, who's your doctor, Angela? I haven't any doctor. Not anymore. Please. But Angela, my work here at the hospital, I, I can't Please, possibly... Jimmy. 612 Believe me, I'm afraid. I'm terribly afraid. I don't understand, Angela. You're afraid of what? He wants to kill me. I know it. He even wants to kill me. Wait a minute, You've Angela. You've got to believe me. Oh, please, hurry. 612 East 73rd. Is that right? Yes, Jimmy. All right, Angela. I'll be right out. Still there? What's the big hurry? You're not an intern anymore. Rush call, Dr. Gillespie. Rush call? Where? East 73rd, old friends of mine. Lots of trouble. Well, which is it? Not enough love or not enough money? It might be either. She's afraid her husband's going to kill her. <laughs> well, that's enough to keep a woman's mind off her housework. Dr. Kildare. Well, nosy Parker. Why do you keep on busting in here all the time? Oh, Dr. Kildare. Parker, if anyone wants me, I'll be at the home of Mrs. Angela Kester. Oh, all right, Doctor, but just a moment. Parker, I'm in a hurry. But there's a man. He just came into the reception room. He wants to see you. I'm sorry, Parker, he but He says I... his name is Kester, Stephen Kester. That's the way it's been going with her, Doctor. Every week, she gets a little worse. I see. Five years ago, Angela Kester is one of the finest concert pianists in this country. Today, 
She's not. When did all this begin, Steve? I mean, when did she start blowing up in the middle of concert? Close to five years ago. A few months after we were married. Did Angela show any abnormal behavior just before that first breakdown? Oh, she was working awfully hard, practicing 16 hours a day sometimes. Mm. It was kind of strange. Like something was pushing her. As though her success was a matter of life and death. It was almost as if she was possessed. And it's still the same. The harder she works at her music, the more the obsession grows. Mm-hmm. Oh, you said before there was a particular composition that she keeps on playing. Yes. A revolutionary etude by Chopin. Every time she sits down to play. Sometimes she can go on for, oh, half an hour without breaking. Beethoven, Liszt, Brahms. And she goes back to it. Does that piece have any particular significance to Angela? None that I know of. It was one of her father's favorites. He's dead now. He had great ideas about Angela's career. I see. And now about this latest fixation of hers, this, uh, this fear that you are going to murder her. First time I've heard that one. It's the first thing he told me on the phone. She's really getting bad. I guess. Yes. I think I'd better drop out to your place and see Angela for a few minutes. Come on, we'd better hurry. There we can. We can watch her here from behind these glass doors. Is the nurse with her constantly? Yes. I don't dare leave her alone. Mm. She still plays beautifully. Yes, I know. But wait. Wait till soon. Uh, the doctors that have been handling Angela's case. What kind of treatments have they been giving her? Oh, I think she's been through about all of them. Two courses of insulin shock, two courses of electric shock. I, I don't know what else. When did she have her last shock treatment? Oh, about six months ago. They helped for a while, then, then she slips back into the same old, same old condition. Listen. You hear? She's breaking up now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I see what you mean. Almost as if something had taken hold of her, pushing her, twisting her body, some strange force. I cannot! I cannot! Steve, stay here. I'm going in. Go on. Set them free, Angela. Now, don't be afraid. I'm going to help you. Oh. 
Yes, Dr. Gillespie? Oh, sit down, Jimmy. Sit down. Here, sit down. Cigarette? Thanks. I could use one. Yeah. I think it's high time somebody told you this. What? You've been going too hard. Ever since you got back to the hospital from the army. Oh, now, let's not go over all that again. And as we will, we will, too. Just because they appointed you a resident physician, that doesn't mean that you have to do all the work. But you know how shorthanded we've been, how many patients we have. Yeah, yeah, and you go on out and take on more. Look, Jimmy, you've just got so much energy to spend in one day, and that's all. Now you're going to tell me I need a vacation. That's exactly what you do need. Mm-hmm. Listen, Jimmy, you've been a doctor long enough to know you can't save all the lives in the world. Sorry, Dr. Gillespie, I can't take the time off. Besides, I've got the research work on leukemia to do, and that paper for the medical institute. And besides that, you'd hate to be away from that beautiful nurse, Mary Lamont. Go on, admit it. Oh, your spies are working overtime. (laughs) They're always working overtime. You haven't dated Mary Lamont for three weeks. Now, that's a late bullet. Why haven't you? Oh, the Angela Kester thing, I guess. It takes a lot of time. Well, why did you take the case in the first place? You don't have enough to do here, right? Huh? You have to go out looking for work. Doctor, until her mind got sick, Angela Kester was on her way to becoming one of the greatest concert pianists in the world. I'm convinced she can still be one of the greatest pianists in the world. Yeah. How do you go about curing her? I'm not sure yet. What's your diagnosis? She's suffering from a neurosis, obsessive-compulsive, superimposed paranoid tendencies. Well, I have to give you credit, Gilbert. When you pick a bad one, you pick the worst. What are the symptoms? Deep-seated compulsive complex is the first thing I noticed. See, Angela had one of those fathers who wants great things for his children, whether they want it or not. He was a second-rate pianist himself, but he was determined Angela would reach the top. I guess he impressed her with that as soon as she was old enough to understand. Eh, stupid parents. My father was a widower. Didn't have much money, but he spent every spare dollar he could get on piano lessons for Angela. Evidently, he made her realize how much he was sacrificing to make her a great artist. Eh, it grew out of all proportion in her mind. Right. And by the time she was ten years old, she was afraid to be a failure. She had to make it. There was no other way out for her. When did it first show on the surface? Oh, five years ago. Angela was about 22 at the time. The night before she was to sail for Europe for a concert tour, she had a recital at Carnegie Hall. She went to pieces. Oh, too bad, too bad. You spotted the neurosis, all right. Obsessive, compulsive. What about the paranoid tendency? Now, they've just started showing up lately. She's developing all kinds of persecution complexes. Thinks the public's against her. Thinks her husband's going to kill her. Too bad. Ah, dratted bone. Hello, Dr. Gillespie talking. Huh? Who? Just a minute. Still there. You. Hello? Yes. When? I'll be right over. It was Stephen Kester, Angela's husband. Well, Angela just shot herself.
Dr. Kildare will continue in just a moment. Tell Dr. Gillespie I'm going over to Solomon's for a bite to eat. All right, Doctor. You're trapped, Billy. I heard every word. Mary, where'd you come from? Been following you for days. How about coffee? Wonderful. Let's go. Sorry about the last few weeks, Mary. I hope you understand. I'm getting used to it. But really, Jimmy, I've been talking to Dr. Gillespie. You've got to cut down on your work. All right, all right. I concede. Just as soon as Angela Kester gets well, I take a vacation. Wonderful. She ought to be up and around in ten days. Then you start your vacation? Well, I don't mean the bullet wound. I mind. She's suffering terribly. Do you really think there's a chance of curing her? I think there is, Mary. One chance. But I thought they tried everything. Everything but an operation. I don't understand. A prefrontal lobotomy. It's her only chance. But it's so risky, isn't it, Jimmy? Are you sure it's her only chance? The last resort I know. That's all that's left for Angela now. If the operation fails? It can't fail, Mary. I wish I could believe that. Come on, let's get that coffee. (laughs) 
there, you're mad. A prefrontal lobotomy? You're just stark staring mad. Dr. Gillespie, you've been doing research on prefrontal lobotomies for the past four days. Now admit it. You're getting worse than Nosy Parker. No, what's your real opinion? Oh, Jimmy, I don't know. I don't know. Seems pretty risky to me. Trying it on a girl like Angela Kester? Actually, the prefrontal lobotomy has been successful with patients of Angela's type. Sure, sure, sure. I know that. What are the odds? You've always said a doctor makes his own odds. Ah, that's the way I like to hear you talk. Dr. Kildare. Well, no, they don't save those precious words for posterity. Spit them out. Oh, Dr. Kildare, Mr. Stephen Kester, please. Send him in, Parker. Dr. Gillespie, Stephen Kester. All right, All right, Doctor. All right. Tell me about this operation you mentioned on the phone. That's why I called you down here, Steve. I think it'll cure Angela. But we've got to have your permission before we go ahead. Well, I don't know. What's it going to involve? I'll try to make it as brief as I can. Angela's mental trouble, her obsessions, her fears are centered in this part of the brain here. See? Just inside the upper part of the forehead. The frontal lobes, we call them. But how could an operation cure that part of the brain? It wouldn't. Wouldn't. Our only concern now is to cure the whole brain by permanently isolating those frontal lobes from the rest of the brain. How is that possible, Doctor? Well, it's comparatively a simple operation, Chester. An opening is made in the skull just above the frontal lobes. We insert into the brain an instrument called a leukotome. Mm -hmm. With that instrument, we sever the white tissue which connects the frontal lobes of the rest of the brain. That's what we call a prefrontal lobotomy. What are the risks? I mean, what could happen? Four alternatives, Steve. It could make Angela a little better, or it could make her a little worse. It could cure her completely, or it could kill her. Jimmy, what would happen to her if, if she didn't have the operation? We couldn't try any more shock treatments. She's already had the maximum. Her system wouldn't take it. And without treatment, Kester, more suicide attempts. Deterioration until she's hopelessly insane. The operation's a last resort. You'll have to make the decision. You recommend it, Jimmy? I recommend it. Killer? Jimmy, operate. Ready now, Jimmy? Yes. Say a prayer, will you, Doctor? Uh, scared? Yep. So am I. Let's go. Doctor Long, is the patient ready? She's anesthetized. I've given her sodium pentothal. Is it all right to proceed? Yes, Doctor. All right, Jimmy. Scalpel. Sponge. Hemostats. Silver clips. How's that wound killed there? Bleeding's controlled. Wound's dry. Nurse, 
Yes, Doctor. Retractor. Periosteal elevator. Dr. Long? Yes, Doctor. Ready to proceed with the osteotomy. Her condition still good? Blood pressure down, 90 over 68. Pulse, 88. Respiration, 24. Miss Lamont? Yes, Doctor. Tree fine. Have the water syringe ready. Forceps. Good work, Jimmy. Nurse, careful with the skull disc. Keep it moist. Yes, Doctor. Scalpel for dural incision. Eyes. Quickly. Yes, Doctor. Dr. Long, how's her condition? Blood pressure was down 90 over 68. Supplementing saline solution with blood. Pulse 90. Respiration 26. Blood pressure rising. Ready to proceed with the lobotomy. All right, proceed, Doctor. Nurse. Yes, Doctor. The leucotone. Ready with the lapiodol syringe. Ready, Doctor. Now, localized perfectly. Easy. Got to go slow. Sponge. Yes, Doctor. Very little bleeding. Fine work, Jimmy. Fine instrument. Nurse ready to close the wound. Number 60, silk for the Dura. Skull disc. Good. Well moistened. Skin sutures. Yes, Doctor. Sterile dressings. Everything all right, Dr. Long? Condition's good. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you very much. Good work, Kildare. Jimmy, you've done yourself proud. You better wait and see, Dr. Gillespie. Jimmy, how long will it be before we know? Oh, I estimate about three days in Angela's case. Might know definitely by then. You mean if she's cured or if... If she isn't cured, Mary. If she has to live out the rest of her life a hopeless lunatic. <laughs> I might be pushing things, Steve. Might be too soon to tell definitely. Jimmy, I've got to know. One way or the other. It's only been three days, Steve. In a case like Angela's, it could be months before we know. For sure. It could be complications. Jimmy, I've got to know now. I've, I've got to. All right, Steve. Here we are. You all set? Yeah. Yeah, I'm all set. He just woke up. Go over to the bed, Steve. Let her see you. All right. Angela. Angela. Who is it? Don't touch me. Hmm? Get away. Get away from me. Angela. Don't. Get away. Angela, it's Stephen, your husband. Stephen. Steve? Angela. Look at me. Stephen. 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 You're all right. Angela, you're cured. Jimmy, she is cured. She'll tell you, Steve. Stephen. 
my hands. My hands, they're free, Steve. My hands are free. Jimmy? That's right, Steve. Patient cured. Case closed. In just a moment, we will return to the story of Dr. Kildare. Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers as Dr. Kildare and Lionel Barrymore as Dr. Gillespie. Actually, it was quite soon to have the permanent results of the lobotomy operation. Some cases take a good deal longer. Kildare, this shop talk's boring me. If you'll excuse me, I think I'll go over and heckle Dr. Carew. I think he's trying to impress something. <laughs> Lucky Angela decided to make this party formal. First time I've ever seen Dr. Gillespie in a tuxedo. <laughs> Probably the last. <laughs> oh, look, Angela's sitting down at the piano. Mm -hmm. just heard the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. Dr. Kildare is presented by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of East Side, West Side, starring Barbara Stanwyck, James Mason, Van Heflin, and Ava Gardner. The program was written by James Edward Moser and directed by William P. Russo. Original music composed and conducted by Walter Schumann. <laughs>